Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report Podcast, which of course is energized by Celsius. We are going to break down everything for this matchup between your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or maybe if you're watching on the West Coast, your Los Angeles Rams, which at one point earlier this year could have been dubbed a revenge game. But now... When you have not one, but two teams that are struggling very heavily, this is more of, hey, we got to focus on ourselves more than uh, the opposition. So I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is my co-host, Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com. And Scott, I just said it was supposed to be an awesome rematch um, going into this week. But now it's, hey, uh, who's going to be an even deeper crap yeah. <laughs> following the game? It's turned into the battle of the sucks, hasn't it, Matt? It's yeah, it it's, really uh, has. It's been two teams that that maybe were penciled in to be favorites in the NFC, along with the Packers, right? All three of these teams, yeah, they were the preseason favorites have been struggling. So it's it's um it's it's disappointing that that this this team, the Buccaneers, are where they're at. I'm sure, the Rams are feeling the same way, and and that's right. The Rams' offensive line is hurting, uh, but can the Bucks? take advantage of that with their pass rush without Shaq Barrett. That's going to be a big time challenge. You know, you look at, at the Rams and their schedule and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, kind of a, a similar situation, right? They started off two and one, both teams. It started with, with the 31 10 thumping at the hands of the bills Yep. after their Super Bowl win, right? They hosted the bills on Thursday night football. They got drubbed. But then they bounced back with a couple of wins over the Atlanta Falcons, 31-27, and the Arizona Cardinals, 20-12. to Neither one of those teams are anything to write home about right now in the NFC. We'll see how they fare. But then now they've been swept by the San Francisco 49ers, losing 24-9 to in Week 4. And then, of course, last week at L.A., 31-14 to after their bye week. So that was a very rude awakening, a humbling, if you will, for the Rams, and then sandwiched in between there was a loss to Dallas 22 to 10 in week five. And then finally a win against Carolina. That was 24 to 10. And that was, that was in Carolina. That's what prompted the, the uh, well, I guess that was right after the, um, the Matt rule firing, but certainly uh, not, not a, a great slate for the Rams who three wins have come against the Falcons, Cardinals and Panthers, at least the Rams beat the Panthers, but Matt, th- this this is just a, as bad of a football team right now as the Buccaneers. So we'll see, we'll see which team uh, is is worse for wear come Sunday, probably around seven thirty. Yeah, and it's it's so weird as you mentioned. Like, okay, well, the Rams could beat the Panthers, the Bucks couldn't do that, but yeah. the Bucks beat the Cowboys, and the you know, and the Rams right. got annihilated by them of course it was early in the season another thing that they fortunately have in common the bucks and the rams is the fact that uh they've only scored 30 points once for both teams it was 31 yeah. points obviously the bucks did that and they lost to uh the kansas city chiefs so we're talking about two offenses again going into this season that were considered sure we understood some of the losses on on, on both sides for sure yeah. The Rams, especially with the offensive line and, and Odell Beckham as well. But this was, again, two teams that were supposed to be offensive juggernauts, and that's probably going to lead the way for yeah. both of these teams. And it really hasn't been the case. And I, 
you could argue on either side who right. has looked worse between well, the two, but it, it's two really bad teams. Statistically speaking, right, as, as bad it is for the Buccaneers, averaging just 18.3 points per game, well, the Rams are averaging 16.9 points per game. So yeah. Tampa Bay's scoring offense ranks 25th. Rams rank 28th. Uh, that's you know that that's comical, right? It's 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 comically bad. At the same time, though, keep in mind that Pittsburgh's uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the worst scoring offense, averaging just 15 points per game, yet scored 18 against the Bucks. So uh, you can't you can't look at these stats and really make too much hay out of them. I just don't trust the Buccaneers, right? And, and I, I said this, I was just on WDA with Ronnie and T. Kras, uh, our, our partners, radio partners. And and the, the crazy thing about this Bucks team, Matt, is, is even if you were to say, okay, uh, eight and nine in this, this downtrodden NFC South, but let's say eight and nine gets you the NFC South title, which of course comes with a home playoff game, right? That's the goal, right? To get into the postseason, anything can happen, especially with Tom Brady. Maybe Ryan Jensen comes back. Maybe Julio Jones is finally healthy. Whatever, whatever. Right? That that's that's what this team is thinking. That's why they're standing pat. They didn't make any trades. We'll we'll get into that in just a minute. But Matt, when you look at at an eight and nine record for a three and five football team, I'm doing the math. It might be Plant City math, but that means you got to go what five and five and four right mm-hmm. down the stretch. Where are those five wins? Where are the five wins in the remaining nine games? And if eight and nine is not going to win the South, then some of you might be thinking, well, how, how can you be eight and nine and win the division? Well, the Seattle Seahawks back in 2010 won the NFC West with a seven and nine record. And the Panthers back in 2014 won the NFC South with a seven, eight and one record. So it can be done. It doesn't happen very often. And a stupid NFL rule says that even though you win your division, you get a home playoff game. Even though a seven, you it, earned it because <laughs> you earned it. Yeah, you you suck so bad. You you got the first place in the battle of the sucks, and and, and so you might be seven and nine, or in this case eight and nine, because there's there's seventeen games. You might yeah. be eight and nine, but you're probably going to host an eleven win team, right? So doesn't mean you're going to win. But my but here's the thing: even if it's nine and eight, right? Even if if nine and eight wins this division, doing the math on that now that now you have to get to six and three. Where are the six wins on this schedule, Matt? If you can't beat a one-win Panthers team, a one-win Pittsburgh team, where are the five wins? Where are the six wins? I don't I know. Will, I will tell you where those five or six wins potentially could be or potentially not. But first, I want to tell everyone about our favorite energy drink. Of course, that is Celsius, the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. So many awesome different flavors, as you see on the screen here, the Arctic Peach and Tropical Vibe, some of my favorite flavors. But there's even more than that. You can go with a cola flavor, a cucumber lime, peach mango, strawberry, a strawberry lemon, I mean, watermelon as well. So with different flavors there. The key thing, though, is they have seven essential vitamins. This is the healthy energy drink that you have that it will give you that essential energy to get you through your day, whether it's a long workout long work day, maybe you're, you're going for a long car ride and you just need that extra kick or you want to stay up late, watch some uh, good sports uh, over on the West Coast. Um, Celsius Energy Drinks can provide all of that. Now, where can you find Celsius Energy Drinks? There's two ways to go about it. Well, multiple ways, but the two easiest routes to go about it. One, go to Celsius, 
com. Click on the store locator. Find out where you can get one near you. You know, your local bodega, like the bodega, or your convenience. You know, maybe you don't want a whole pack just yet. Just try one or two. You'll absolutely love it. Or if you want to uh, get them in bulk, of course, go to Amazon. Do be subscribed and save. Have it set straight to your house or apartment right at your doorstep. And you could set it up every one, two, three weeks, uh, whenever you want it. Just make sure you are drinking Celsius energy drinks. That's hashtag Celsius live fit. Hashtag Celsius energy. Celsius energy drinks, the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Now, Scott, you just mentioned that the Bucks will probably need five or, or win in order to win the division. And, you know, they're only one game out, which silver lining, bright side, if you right. want to look at it that way, they're only one game out. And they could lose to this Rams team, but the 40, uh, not the 49ers, the uh, the Chargers are playing against the Falcons. So, you know, it's a game that the Falcons could lose. And it's like, yeah. all right, well, the Bucks are about to be going to be three and six and still only one game out. The problem with, and I understand the, the Bucks coaching logic of, hey, like we're only – we're only one game out, and we have a lot of teams that don't have like great records. But you know, and long, long, long lost Glazer brings up the um, brings up the schedule here. You know, the Seahawks are a first place team right now. They're not the yeah. most threatening type of team, but hey, yeah. this was supposed to be a home game for the Bucks, and they're playing it internationally in Germany. Right. Excited for our international fans to be able to yeah. watch it at a regular time for them. Browns game. Hey, all the Browns do is run the ball, have a really good wide receiver yeah. with Amari Cooper. What are the Bucks right. done on defense? They give up everything in the run game, which is yeah. still crazy to say. I mean, over 200 yards last week in the second half against the Ravens. The Saints, they finally, finally, they get they beat the Saints the regular season. And you kind of look at the same thing like, oh, maybe they beat the Saints, now they'll beat the Rams. But what about that Saints game was like, oh, yeah. It's in the bag when they play right. the Saints again. The Monday it was three to three in, into the fourth quarter. I mean, that was... <laughs> yeah, and Rashad Perryman made your star play, and then they got bailed out because Jameis Winston became the Jameis Winston that we all know, and right. it led to a billion turnovers, which, by the way, the Bucks' defense hasn't had a turnover in over a month. So yeah. all of a sudden to think that that's going to change, then, you know, the yeah. Bills very solid team. They'll probably Matt. have Jamal Chase from the time that they're back. Yeah, they, they literally the can't even buy a takeaway one. right now in defense. They they literally can't yeah. purchase a, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception. Like it's hard, it's hard to even buy a sack right now. If you're Tampa yeah. Bay, you're broke. You're broke on defense. Yeah, you really are. And you know, hopefully they're getting some players back this week. You know, Carlton Davis um, practiced today. So did Sean Murphy Bunting, which. At least you can get Zion McCollum off the field as a 100% of the snap starter yeah. um, at outside corner. And, you know, listen, Sean Murphy Bunting, we criticized him a lot. He does have an interception this year and probably still an upgrade. Well, I yeah. know it was an upgrade over uh, Zion McCollum. McKee Hicks potentially coming back as well. He spoke with us a, a little bit earlier. He's feeling much better, especially that he had a full you know, weekend and a full week to, uh, you know, try to get healthier. So yeah. there are reinforcements on the way, but at the same time, like Carlton has never really been known as a turnover machine. Uh, right. Sean Murphy Bunting can get interceptions here and there. And yeah. Akeem Hicks, maybe it'll help with the all the flaws in the run game. But yeah, I mean, turnovers have been few and far between over the last month. Now, luckily, you know, Matt Stafford has a, uh, you know, 
propensity to to turn the ball over here and there. So I don't know. Maybe playing the Rams could be the remedy that gets the bat the buck back on track. We'll see. Harbinger, um, Matt Scott, were you surprised Tampa made no trades and did they go after anyone? Uh, I got kind of word earlier in the day that they were, were not going to make any moves. So I was told not to expect anything. And of course that's what happened. And it's crazy, right? This, this is a gamble. This is a Jason light slash laser slash Todd Bowles gamble that they're going to coach it better and play it better. And they've been saying that for weeks and the last couple of weeks have resulted in nothing but losses. So I don't know that I can trust this team right now to pl- to coach it better and play it better. We'll see. The Bucks are not playing up to their potential, but honestly, at this stage, Matt, I'm not sure what their potential is, and that's why I'm saying. And, and I, I'm not doubting this team. I mean, I guess I am doubting this team because I don't trust them. But I, I'm, I'm just, I'm legitimately curious. Like, can this team win five games down the stretch? Can they win six? I haven't seen enough evidence to support that. And at the same time understanding Matt, that this team has not played up to its potential. If the Buccaneer defense can play in the second half, like they've played in the first half, which has actually been really good. Like they did against the Ravens and the Panthers. And even, you know, it was, it was a 10, nine game in, in, in Pittsburgh. So the Bucks defense has played very well in the first half of those games. The problem is, is what the, the, the Bucks had uh, nine points in the Steelers game, zero points in the, uh, the Panthers game, 10 points. They, did it. they actually had a lead, a 10-3 lead at halftime. Believe but it or not. but just not enough points. Not enough points to 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 make it uh to make a difference. And and what I mean by that, Matt, is is this defense, nor is any defense really in the NFL, built for 75 plays. You're just not, right? You're built for 55, maybe 60 plays, but once you start getting, you know, o- over that threshold, you're getting run over and run down. And that's what we've seen in the second half. And so this defense is built on stopping the run, getting to third and longs, but then getting off the field in third and longs, either with an incompletion, with a pressure, with a sack, with an interception, whatever, but forcing a punt. And that's not, when I asked Todd Bowles today, uh, I pointed out a statistic I'm going to be writing about this week. And it's it's the, in the last five games, the Bucks have been outscored 34 to 18 in the third quarter, right? 14 nothing in the third quarter by the Ravens, 7 nothing in the third quarter against the Panthers. It was 3 to 3 against the Steelers. The Bucks actually scored a touchdown. Remember they got the two-point conversion. Holy smokes, they scored a two-point conversion against the Falcons. They actually outscored the Falcons 8 nothing. Uh but yeah. then they were outscored 10 to 7 in the third quarter by by the Chiefs. So you add them all up, they've been outscored 34 to 18. That's been a real problem over the last 5 games. The halftime adjustments on both sides of the ball have not worked. And it's it's led to this team just fizzling out in the second half. And so if they can play on defense for all four quarters, that's what Todd Bowles wants, they, they might be okay. But the thing is, is, is they, they got to just score more points. I mean, they're not getting it done on offense. The three and outs are yeah. killing them, Matt. Yeah, the Bucks' struggles on offense is really, really hurting – Bucks defense because when the team struggles in general, you generally point out to all the flaws of why this hasn't worked and why that hasn't worked. And you, you can't you can't look at it this way fully, but if if you could just take like the Bucks offense from last season and put it with the Bucks defense from this season, yeah, we wouldn't really be talking about all of the issues. That's because right. 
The Buc- I mean, really, with the exception of the Chiefs game, where the Chiefs scored all the time, and it was just bad, bad juju from the beginning with the fact that, you know, Rashad White fumbled uh, initially. But you take out that game where they just couldn't stop the Chiefs. The Bucks defense, while, you know, they deserve all of the, the blame that they've been getting for allowing all these crucial you know, third downs and, and all the, the big run plays, especially in the second half. They deserve that credit, uh, that blame, I should say. But it could have been masked a lot if the offense didn't even necessarily play up to their potential, but played at like half the level that they were producing last season. They've really hung out the Bucks defense to dry. And, you know, in games where, you know, 24 points that you allow isn't, you know, pat on the back worthy, being like, yeah, our defense played great. But 24 points with a Bucks offense from last season probably wins you that game. Yeah. And the Bucs aren't in a three and five hole right now. They're probably, I don't know, like six and two, maybe instead of just flipping around, be five and three. So while the defense certainly deserves some blame and they have faults, it's really been the offense just showing complete ineptitude, whether it's the Falcons game, which they won, but couldn't move the ball with all the three and outs whether it was, again, the constant three and outs against the Ravens in the second half, losing the the time possession egregiously, or yeah. the fact that they just couldn't score against the Steelers and the Panthers, who have two extremely inferior teams. Um, the offense is struggling in ways that, again, you can't just point to one thing. It's multiple things. Yeah. So. Um, it really is. Yeah, I, I will say this, that you know, if, if this coaching staff you know has a brain, and I hope it does, at least turns it on, right? Hits the power button and turns the the brain on. They'll keep Nick Leverett in in that starting lineup at left guard because it, it, he really made a difference. I, I think he really made a difference in the run game. They didn't run it much, but but he did. And in pass protection, I thought he was just more sound. And I know Brady took a shot. Uh, you, you know, nobody's going to be clean and perfect, right? Even Ali Marpet and Ryan Jensen weren't perfect right. in terms of pass protection. You're going to give up a hit, maybe a sack, but but I, I really think that Nick Leverett. And I talked to Nick today, and you know he he's a fiery guy, Matt. The, the the thing too is is we've heard Russell Gage come out and say, yeah, we're like dead on offense, and we, we yeah. need you know we need some some life and some energy. And when things aren't going right, right, everyone kind of starts looking around to like you know who's who's going to be the guy, who's going to be the guy. Nick Leverett is kind of like the Raheem Nunez Roches of of the offense, and I say that about Nacho. He's not the best player. He's not the best defensive tackle on this team, but he's an energy guy. He's the energizer bunny that you need sometimes. And sometimes it's not just you need Nacho to play great or, or even better, but Nacho's mm-hmm. energy can make uh, Vita Vea play better and Levante David play better, and, and, and it can kind of spread that way. And I think that's that's one thing that Nick Leverett can bring to this offensive huddle. He's kind of that fire starter. When Josh Cape and I were – we're in Tennessee watching the joint practices between the Titans and the Bucks. Leverett was the guy that was pushing and shoving the Titans, you know, and, and mm-hmm. getting in their faces and, and kind of, you know, being the dog in that fight. And, and you need that sometimes. You need that that energy, that momentum. You need that that uh, tenacity up front. And, and I think he, he can bring that. So I, I like this play. I like the energy that he brought. I mean, and keep in mind, this is the first game he's gone wire to wire in, right? Nick Leverett, yeah. the, the most he's ever played in the game prior to that was last year at Indianapolis when he was was a, an injury fill-in when 
you know, uh, Ali Marpet was out. Then you had then you had Aaron Stinney come in. He got hurt, mm -hmm. so he had to, to come in. He was like the third guard essentially. Then he plays a little bit. He rotates in, plays about a third of the snaps in Carolina when they decided to go with the platoon. So this is really his first, you know, you know, game wire to wire as a starter. I thought he played really, really well. Yeah, he brought a little bit more of attitude. Is essentially what you were saying. He he brought a little bit more to that and. You know, he already gels pretty well with, with the offensive line as it is. Like, we were talking to Tristan Wirfs today, and Nick Leverett, like, took one of the microphones from one of the reporters and, like, went in there, and they're like, all right, yeah. like, Nick, ask something. And he, like, he's like, oh, I froze. I, I didn't know what to say yeah. or whatever. But, you know, you can tell he already, like, meshes very well uh, with the offensive line in itself. And you know what? Like, he doesn't even have to play spectacular. He just has to play better than Luke Gedeke, which, right. again, no disrespect to Luke Gedeke, could end up being a – a uh, solid offensive lineman down the road, but to play better than Luke Gedeke right now is yeah. that that difficult. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the mainstays, though. The, the Bucks coaching staff, Todd Bowles, talked about it, you know, on last Friday after the game. He talked about it today as well, that, you know, they, they took all of weekend to, you know, do some self-scouting, scouting of the team, and he said that they're aware of, the, you know, corrections they have to make, and, Right. The mistakes that they were making. And I don't know. I believe some of that. But how could you do self-scouting and scouting of the team you're coaching and not say Nick Leonard has to be in there every little game? Because unless you're saying, oh, well, you know, we still want to mold Nick, uh, not Luke Gedeke. We still want to mold him yeah. or have him develop. Well, then you're not doing self-scouting in right. what do we have to do to make sure this team wins right yeah. away. That's See, you, what they're you're, not you're right, doing. Matt. The last time I checked, Luke Gedeke signed a four-year contract. Is that right? He did. He's a rookie. Second-round pick. He signed a four-year deal. That means he's going to be at Tampa Bay, Matt. He's going to be in Tampa yep. Bay this year, next year, the year after that, and the year after that. It means he can maybe eventually develop into a starter any of those years. It doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be, right? Right. And, and like, you know, I, I've, I'll say this to Jason Light. Jason. Guess what? Lou Gedeke is your guy. He's a second-round pick. He's your draft pick. But you know what? Nick Leverett's your guy, too. You get just as much credit for finding an undrafted free agent gem in Nick Leverett if he develops into a starter, which he is, right? You get just as much credit, if not more, for Nick Leverett than you do for Luke Gedeke in the second round. And I think sometimes that's what the personnel guys have to understand. Is and, and it goes back to to you know back in, in the Gruden and and Bruce Allen years, they drafted wide receiver Dexter Jackson, not the Super Bowl MVP. This was the Appalachian State kid, and it, you know and he was a bust. He was he was basically like a second round version of Jalen Darden. He was slip and slide, doing punts and 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 uh, kick returns. Didn't have much cojones uh, back there, and and he was a bust. But I didn't really rip Gruden and Allen so much for that. You know why? Because they had a nice recovery that year. In the same draft class, they signed an undrafted free agent named Clifton Smith, who I believe is a, a Washington, no, a Wisconsin running back. Okay. Mm -hmm. Clifton Smith ended up being the Pro Bowl return guy that year. That year. He had a kickoff return for a touchdown against Kansas City. He had another one. He had a punt return for a touchdown, I believe. 
So he had two or three returns for touchdowns and was was a phenomenal return guy. He was he was the guy Dexter Jackson was supposed to be. Right. But it was a nice save, right? It's like this guy failed, but this guy who we didn't think was supposed to be the guy ended up being the guy. And so that's my message to Jason Light and this personnel staff, this scouting department. It's like you get credit for for Luke Gedeke if he if he ends up becoming a, a good quality starter. In the meantime, he's not. But Nick Leverett showed me some real signs of life. And so if he's the guy and he ends up playing really, really well, you get credit for that. So stop trying to force Luke Gedeke when he's not ready yet. Go with the guy who's ready, right? And maybe Luke ends up being the guy next year or the yeah. year after that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you could end up being a double winner if, if Gedeke yeah. becomes the guy yeah. in a season or two from now and you still get the credit for uh, what Nick right. Leverett did. You and, just had and a you comment. Yeah, yeah I was just, just going to say, maybe Luke Gedeke actually ends up being a better right guard and replaces Shaq Mason in a couple of years, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. What if, yeah. what if Nick Leverett ends up being a, a damn good starter and then Shaq Mason's contract runs out and he's like, you know, on the other side of 30 and, and Luke Gedeke is ready? Then all of a sudden, Gedeke, maybe he's better right guard than he has left. And so then you got your guards. So stop trying to force it, man. Just go with what's working right now. It's, it's Nick Leverett. And Jason Light has been notorious at, um, you know, finding offensive linemen, whether it's through the draft or, or free agency, that play different positions and then putting them yeah. to, you know, the position that they they are right. at, at home. Uh, G Fresno there. State. That's right. Fresno State. Yeah. I said there Wisconsin and Fresno State. Yep. Uh, I did want to get to a comment that you put up before uh, talking about Jason Light and, and Warren Sapp obviously uh, had a couple of words about Devin White and uh, Devin also um, was made available today, but did not uh, did not speak. He declined to. So I want to talk a little bit about yeah. Devin White. Um, first, though, I want to talk to everyone about our favorite beer at PeterReport.com. That, of course, is Pirate republic they are based out of the nassau bahamas and are now invading florida just in time for football season and beer brings people together to celebrate life that means celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code that's a sense of belonging pirate republic is a community of people living life on their terms here are the beers that they have uh, the long john pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the florida sun personally it's my favorite but you can't go wrong with either of these other two choices. Uh, the Take No Quarter is the best IPA that you'll drink. Even if you're not an IPA guy, you'll enjoy this IPA. You can also drop an orange slice in the Golden Haze Piracy Belgian Whip Beer and enjoy that pirate life. Pirate Republic is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores. That's where I get my Pirate Republic. In the greater Tampa Bay area and is expanding across the state, of Florida. So live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. As you see on the screen here, that's the Golden Haze, a piracy Belgian wit. I have to have that one soon because uh, I said Long John Pilsner is my favorite, but it's good. You know, the variety is the spice of life, as I like to say with yep. uh, Celsius. So got to do it as well with the Pirate Republic. Uh, you won't go wrong uh, with any of those choices. So uh, check them out soon. Tell, let us know what you think because. I feel pretty positive that you're going to enjoy just like that. I think this is going to be the greatest uh, Peter Report podcast of all so time. So far, but, so good, Matt. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about about where this podcast is going. I really feel like it's going to get on history as the best one we've ever done. 
Uh, not the best game of, of Devin White's career on Thursday night against the Ravens, and Warren Sapp pointed that out. Also, Josh Capo, he actually beat Sapp to the punch with our Pewter Report video. And make sure that you are watching all of our Pewter Report videos, not just the Pewter Report podcast or the Pewter Report tailgate show, which leads into Pewter Game Day, but also uh, some of the, the press conference clips that we put up there that Matt and our staff put up there, in addition to Josh Capo, who does some of his video breakdowns as well. And he did that on, on Devin White. And, you know, Devin White uh, is nothing personal, right? I'm taking the Bruce Arians approach here. Uh, we're not criticizing you. We're criticizing your football. And your football really has has stunk over the last couple of weeks. Start off great, great game against the Dallas Cowboys. Played very well against the Saints in week two. And really from week three on, in my opinion, it's just been just downhill. And you can look at the, the stat sheet. Okay, you made 10 tackles, Devin White. But, but one of those tackles that I had a problem with was when, when Lamar Jackson was, was dashing to his left and Devin White's using that sideline to sideline speed and pushed him out of bounds for, I want to say, maybe three to five yards. It wasn't a huge game by any means. But Devin White was awful proud of himself and was like, yeah. Yeah, got it. I got Lamar. I did that. I did yeah, that. Exactly. And the problem is, is, is Lamar picked up the first down. And while Devin White was was using his his uh you know his his exuberance over yeah. pushing Lamar Jackson out of bounds for a nominal gain, Lamar Jackson wisely just said, first down. <laughs> first down. And, and and therein lies the problem, Matt. Therein lies the problem. Uh it, it's it's the mentality. It's the mentality. And Todd Bowles talks about playing smart football. Devin White is just not playing smart football. And and uh, it's it's hurting this team. So much so that that I even called for Devin White in my two-point conversion to uh, you know to be benched. And I'm not saying a whole game, but like maybe put if you want to rotate some guys, right? If you if you're the coaching staff that believes in the platoon philosophy, like you want to platoon Nick Leverett and Luke Gedeke at left guard. Maybe platoon Olakunle Farokasi in for a couple of series at at Mike linebacker, just so you can see the difference, right? Uh, and and Todd Bowles was even asked about Farokasi and JJ Russell, who was elevated today mm-hmm. to the active roster, mostly for special teams role, but and also because KJ Britt's out. But but Matt, I, I think with Farokasi, if if my memory serves, JJ Russell's the better athlete, but Farokasi yep. is just super smart, always in the right spot. Was in the right position. You know what? Maybe you need that. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe, maybe you need a smarter player in there to to not mess up, right? right. It's not just about the highlights. The highlight it's plays. It's about like the fundamentals, you know. Right. It's it's about a, not making the lowlights, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. It's about not making the lowlights. It's about doing essentially the inside linebacker job, and that's stopping the run and getting off of blocks and. And getting to the hole before the running back can get there or, you know, whatever type of play it is. And the play you just described with Devin White, that was the thing that bothered me most. More than anything else, more than uh, the Raven center, Lindbaum, taking him 20 yards down the field. You know what? Listen, that video, that sucks. But it's, you know, people have bad plays, bad reps, bad games. Yeah. The play that you described with the celebrating and the Mar going first down, yeah. It just shows a complete lack of awareness, a it, lack, it, exactly a complete right. oblivion of what's actually going on. The fact that, you know, there's people sell, telling him that his, you know what, don't stink, you know, and that's right. that's just 
not the case at all. So then, listen, we don't wear this as a badge of honor, but you tweeted right. out that Devin White's overrated. And what he do? Yeah. He retweeted us and then blocked us. Yeah. We're not, like, super pumped about that. Right. But, you know, it shows, like, a little immaturity. When we go up to him today and we ask Devin if we can talk to him, and he says, nah, I'm good. And oh, when, yeah. and, like, this is Matt, the Matt, he, of the team. He used that sideline to sideline speed to bolt for the door, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a captain of your team. Mike Evans, yeah. week in and week out. And Mike did it, you know, way before Brady got here, too. Oh, yeah. He would still face the music. Mike Levante. Evans talks. Yeah, yeah, Levante talks a lot. Brady is obligated nationally because he's a quarterback. But, you know, he faces the music. He doesn't always answer it the way that we would, like, uh, expect to. Uh, shout out Mark here. Uh, appreciate yeah. the, the comment. Lack of awareness, dot, dot, dot. Where have I heard that before, dot, dot, dot. Carolina and Bowles, same old thing. So Mark yeah. not loving uh, the decisions that Todd Bowles has made. But I think, you know, the fact that, you know, Warren Sapp, he's a Hall of Famer. That's why I was saying Josh Capo has Hall of Fame talent. Maybe not as an athlete, but as, uh, you know, breaking down tape. He has the right. same Hall of right. Fame talent as Warren Sapp. But, you know, it's one thing when news outlets and, and websites say, like, here's what he's not doing right and here's our, his mistakes. And then you have Warren Sapp, who, you know, he's got his name up, uh, you know, in the, the Bucks ring of honor. He has his name in the stadium. He's a Hall of Famer. And he's one of the smartest the football thing. players I know. He's I mean, Warren Sapp's not always right, but, yeah. but, but Matt, he's one of the smartest football players I know, right? Yeah. And he's saying the same exact things that we are. Like, what are you doing? Take the seat. Well, we're not saying take his captainship, but Warren Sapp said that. Like, how are you not getting to this spot? And I just think it, it rings. A lot more true when when Warren Sapp is saying it, and then the yeah. fact that Devin doesn't want to answer to anything too, it's not the best look for him. And I, do I think eventually he could turn it around? Yeah, but I think I almost hope so. He needs to get some of this criticism to to understand, like, yeah, man, you're really good. You have a lot of yeah. talent, but you still have a long way to go because there are simple mistakes that you, that you are making that just should not be happening by a Pro Bowl caliber player a guy that's made the pro bowl that is looking for that second big contract and maybe he got hyped up a little bit too much by the national media but it's wearing off really quickly not only yeah. when you have when you have a three and five record but when you're losing to terrible teams like the steelers and the panthers and then yeah. lose nationally uh to the ravens yeah, listen you know the the nfl is is the is the probably the most what have you done for me lately league yeah. In, in any because every game matters. You only have 17, right? Yeah. You have 17 shots at it. This is not like like the NHL where you can lose seven straight and still win your division, right? I mean, it depends on when those losses come. But, I mean, you know, in baseball, you can lose 10 straight games and still not be out of anything, right? right? Yeah. And, and and same with, with the NBA. You can lose 10, 12 games in a row and then get on a hot streak because there's that many games, right? There's 100-plus games. Baseball, was it 100 and – 162 games, right? You have 80 something in hockey. You have 17 games, right? If you lose three games in a row, like all of a sudden people are hitting that panic button, right? I mean, that's happening here in Tampa. So I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous. In my opinion, I I will say this. Here's one thing we learned. I'm going to be writing about this for tomorrow. Levante David, who also has a C on his chest, he doesn't say a whole bunch. He's more of like a quiet leader. Derek Brooks was kind of that way too. Sap was the fire and brimstone, 
you know, team captain. And, and then Derek Brooks was kind of the godfather. He was kind of the locker room guy. He would talk to guys one-on-one. That's kind of how he ran the show, right? Lynch was kind of in between. Lynch was kind of a fire starter like Sap was, although Sap was just fire and brimstone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Levante David is more like that r- reluctant leader. He's more like Rondé Barber later in his career, Derek Brooks, et cetera. Devin wants to be the fire and brimstone guy, but he just he doesn't have the walk to back up the talk, certainly not on a consistent basis. And my whole thing is in, in calling out Devin and, and saying he shouldn't have the C on his chest and pointing out that he should be benched, et cetera, and, and, and tweeting out what, what needed to be said. And I even said that. That was the tweet. Devin White is one of the most overrated players in the NFL, period. Needs to be said, period. And it's the truth. And I'm not saying that to, to demean Devin White. I want him to play better, right? This is a guy that we had in four out of our five mock drafts yeah. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not a Devin White hater, nor have I been. I've probably given the guy more slack than anybody, right? And 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 he needs to play better. There's nothing wrong with saying that because that's the truth. The film doesn't lie. The Buccaneers, Matt, they don't have any special film that we don't have access to. We right. watch the All-22. There's no special, like, well, these are the plays that you guys don't see that Devin White does really, really good. Devin White does make some good plays. But at the same time, he makes some god awful plays, some big time mental gaffes that a player in his what 19, 20, 20, fourth year shouldn't be making, right? Right. That that's exactly the case. Uh, Mark here says what scares me is what uh, is that we have been out coached the last three weeks, and now we have McVay uh, and the Rams. We'll get to that in, in just a moment. But to to yeah to wrap everything up with Devin White, it is. Like I, I just initially when you were like, yeah, you know, I've been supporting Devin White for a long time. One of the first things that popped into my head was during the NFL Combine, right before Devin White ran his 40, 40 yard dash. You said, "Future Buck Devin yeah, White about to, right. <laughs> to about to take off." Matter, matter of fact, I I, tweet, I tweeted that I said, "Future Future Buck yeah. Devin White just ran a four four or whatever," and I I tweeted that out and then I, I texted that to Jason Light. <laughs> I did. I'm like, there's your number five overall pick. And that was back when we, when we as Peter Report were getting criticized. Oh, you don't you don't draft the off the ball linebacker with the fifth overall pick, right? Uh listen, Devin White has all the potential to to honestly be the best linebacker in the game. He really does. Seriously. In terms of his physical talent, his his ability to make splash plays. Yeah. From a physical standpoint, the guy has all the tools. It's from the neck up with Devin. And and there have been times where he's played really, really smart, instinctive football. But it's just has not been done on a consistent basis. And that's the scary part. If you're looking for the silver lining with Devin White, he's 24 years old. He's still very young. But the scary thing, too, though, is, Matt, the flip side is we're in year four now of the five-year Devin White experiment. And it's kind of mirroring Jameis Winston, right? Top five pick, right? Jameis was number one overall. Here you got Devin White. Both have all the physical talent that you want. They're the prototype of what you want. Jameis is a quarterback, strong arm, you know, uh, intangibles, all all that stuff, right? I mean, the guy, what, lost two games at Florida State, maybe one, whatever his record was, was was stunningly good. And, And then you've got Devin White who just, has the speed, he can blitz, he can pick off some passes, he can tackle, he can have that 18-tackle game when he's on and playing disciplined football. 
But then there's also those those boneheaded gaffes in press conferences sometimes saying some stupid things. Bored, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then the the mental gaffes on the field, right? For Jameis, it's the, it's the untimely interception. It's the, it's the pick six. It's the sack fumble, right? And, and for Devin, it's the, you know, getting driven 15 yards down the field by the rookie center. It's loafing. It's forgetting the back and the flat who catches the touchdown. Why it's just those yeah. yeah, it's just those untimely mental gaps that these guys like are on a on a parallel course here, a dangerous parallel course. The Bucks gave Jameis Winston that fifth year option, and then they just said, eh, no thanks. And honestly, it's trending that way for Devin White. He'll be back next year on the fifth year option. Yeah. It's, but then it's, what do you do after that? I know it's when so- is he gonna grow up? He'll be 25 next year. Is 26 gonna be the age? Is it gonna be 27? When is this guy gonna turn into the next Levante David, the next Derek Brooks, the next Bobby Wagner. Will he it's, ever? It, it's, it's so concerning, too, because the Bucs are staring straight down the barrel of a situation where, you know, Levante might not be here. You know, he's getting up there in age. And if I'm Levante, like after this season, I kind of go the bot. Well, it's not working with the Rams, but, you know, Bobby Wagner probably signed yeah. with the Rams because he thought, you know, hey, they're the defending champs. Like, we're going to right. out. If I'm Levante, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, listen, I've had my loyalty to the Bucs. Like, I'm going to another team now that <laughs> is, like, ready to win right now. And then if yeah. the Bucs don't want to sign Devin White, I really don't blame them. But you're staring at a situation, and sure, there's free agency, thing, things like that can change. Yeah. But where you're going to have to bring in two new inside linebackers That's to this scary, team, man. which is really scary. But scary. at that point, they'll probably be in the middle of a, of a rebuild mode um, as it is. But, you know, Devin does have a season and a half to figure it out. You know, he's got still the remainder of this year and uh, next year as well. Looking to get that big second contract. Yeah, maybe he'll improve. Maybe the Bucks will give it to him. Maybe another team will overpay and uh, and give him that that big contract that he's looking for. But you know, it's good to have a lot of money, but it's important on how you invest it. What what you do with those finances, and um, if you're looking for a place to do That's that, right. of course, it's got to be with Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations! We're so happy. Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different. You still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts to make sure those kids get to college and you have money to pay for it, and insurance services. Listen, folks, there's a lot of, of economic uncertainty in America and in the world right now. Why would you want to trust your financial future with anybody but experienced veterans? And that's what you get with over 40 years of experience. Let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. They're based over in St. Petersburg. They help people all across the Tampa Bay region, all across the state of Florida, and they're also able to help you across the country. Do what I've done. I've got most of my financial assets with Immunity Financial. Call them today, Immunity Financial, at 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864 for a free, no-risk consultation. It's always good to have a good uh, 
backup plan, a second opinion, if you will, especially when your financial future is on the line. Visit them on the web at immuni.com. Scott, let's get into a little bit more of this uh, upcoming matchup between the the Bucks and the Rams. And, you know, I, I think it's easy to look at, you know, kind of some of the main stars, whether it's, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey at corner, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup at wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, one of the guys you just put on the screen there, Sean McVay, I, I, when I look at this matchup, the first thing that I like truly think of is the fact that in this will be what the, the fourth matchup in the last yeah. three years with with this regime, pretty much. And yeah. when you look at the losses to the Bucks, and sure, you can point out a couple of, of things, but re- the first thing for me that I really think of is just the way that the Bucks continue to get out coached by Sean McVay. And you know, you could point to the fact that like, one of the games that pops out to me, other than the playoff game, of course, is. Uh, the game that they lost during the regular season when they were wearing the, the all pewter outfit. That might have been yeah. two years ago. But the fact that the Rams, yeah, the, the Rams knew that the Bucs wanted to push the ball down the field. So they played a lot of two safety, kept those guys back, yeah. and the Bucs still kept trying to go over the middle and down the field and were able to stop them there. Then, of course, you look at that playoff game. And all we talked about, well, one, Cooper Cup still gets the ball no matter what, even though you know he's getting the ball. Yep. Two, they start blitzing them when it's like, you know, they have the best, you know, average against the blitz uh, on offense. And I don't know. There's just so many different ways you can look at it. But McVay has had Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles number. Now it's just yeah. Todd Bowles. And I just I'm worried that in a game where two teams are struggling right now, it could be something as simple as, hey, we know what Tampa Bay is going to do. And that's how we're going to beat them. That's yeah. really like the biggest concern for me heading into this game. Yeah, the interesting thing is what Sean McVay said because both teams really cannot run the ball, right? It, <laughs> they really right. can't. And and now you've got Cooper Cup who's who's injured and is expected to play. We'll see how that ankle injury is. Uh, that might be just some gamesmanship there from um, from Sean McVay saying, "Oh yeah, we we expect Cooper Cup to play." Uh, listen, if Cooper Cup plays even with the with a bum ankle, right? That's that that's like a wounded animal. That's a dangerous animal, right? right? I mean, he's still if he's on the field, he's got to be accounted for. He's still going to make plays if he can play. Uh, the the problem is the Rams can't run the ball. Uh, Todd Bowles said that that they're going to try to run the ball, but yeah, Sean McVay coming out saying after the thirty one to fourteen loss to the Forty ers that at this point running. The ball is like wasted plays because they're just yeah. not getting anything out of out of their their offense from their ground game. And I'm sure Todd Bowles is probably saying, "Amen, brother." I feel the same way here yeah. in Tampa. <laughs> but the leading rusher in in LA is Darrell Henderson with 197 yards on the ground, no uh, two touchdowns, 3.9 yard average. Uh, they only have one run of 20 yards or more. Now the Buccaneers don't have a run of 20 yards uh, or more this year. One of just, I think two or three teams that 20 yard run, Matt came from Cooper cup on an end round. So it was a 20 yarder. That's the longest one. Cam Akers. He wants to be, he wanted to be traded. He's unhappy. Darrell Henderson really has been underwhelming, but really it's been that offensive line, Matt, if we're being honest, right? Rob Habenstein is the only starter. Uh, I guess Brian Allen, the center, he's back in into the fold now. Yeah. But he was out to start the season. But uh, they lost Joe Noteboom, who was the replacement. 
for Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, and he was actually a pretty good player. They lost him to an Achilles injury. The left guard position's a mess. So can the Buccaneers, without Shaq Barrett, can they take advantage of this offensive line from the Rams? Because that has been the real challenge, getting to Matt Stafford. That's something the Bucs have not done a, done a good job of. Is the, is the door open to crack here? First of all, Matt, answer that question. And then second of all, because of the woes of this offensive line, are we just going to see those those wide receiver screens to Cooper Cup, to Tyler Higby, the tight end, uh, that, that have plagued this Bucks defense when they, they pass the ball quickly out to the flat and force some of those cornerbacks and safeties to tackle in space? Yeah, I mean, if there's any better opportunity to get your front four going, then it, it would have to be this game. And, you know, we've seen from like Vita Vea that at times he'll look great. He'll look like, hey, this is why he just got this big contract. And then he'll just regress. And maybe it's because he's dealing with an injury or something along those lines. Um, quite frankly, listen, we love Nacho. We love Will Golson. Like Nacho in particular, he's there to stop the run, but the Bucks right. defense just isn't stopping the run. Yeah. So I don't know if that necessarily means he's, he's not a starter, Matt. He's yeah, he's, he's, not a he's a backup player. So one thing again, if Keem Hicks is in there, that help a little bit. But play Logan Hall even more because one of the things that really stood out to me, I know we're done with Devin White, but one last Devin White thing on the play yeah. that he was quote unquote loafing on, it was a screenplay. You know who was running down the field while Devin was going tra la la la? It was Joe Tryon Choyinka and Logan yeah. Hall. 15 yards down the field on a play where they were already in the backfield, as Josh Capo yeah. already pointed out. So I, I want to see that speed along the, the defensive line, which I think you're going to get from Logan Hall and hopefully Akeem Hicks if he's able to play. But yeah, if on the Rams, I get quick throws going. Um, we'll see if Sean Murphy bunting plays, but or Carlton Davis, they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. But the Ravens kept running it and mostly throwing it short little plays right at the column. And he whiffed over yeah. and over and over and over again. So I would attack the bucks very quickly in that standpoint, like Stafford, who doesn't even look a hundred percent either. Yeah. Um, I don't think he could sit back there all day. I want to trust the bucks defensive line, but at times they look so great, and then there's yeah. other moments where it's like, what are you guys just chilling back there with the Pirate yeah. Republic? Like, do you want to get after the quarterback? <laughs> and, so. and, and you know what, Matt? It's With Cooper Cup, and again, we'll see if he plays, and we'll see how effective he is, right, with that ankle in terms of getting separation. He's a great route runner, but, I mean, on a bum ankle, we'll see if that negates some of that, that special uh, quality that he has. But – you look, you've got Ben Skrowinek, right? Uh, the wide receiver, he's averaging 9.6 yards per catch. Yeah. Uh, Tutu Atwell, right? I mean, he's got one catch. He was a high draft pick. Um, Allen Robinson Allen has, Robinson has major been a major disappointment. Big time, right? I mean, you I mean, want to talk about a, Russell Gage being, right. uh, being a bad, you know, yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson there. is not OBJ by any means, right? So, yeah. the, you know, and then, then they've been with that Van Jefferson. So, so th th this is a Rams receiving core that was that was that helped Matt Stafford become the deadliest quarterback when facing the blitz, because you had all these guys that could get open. the The problem now is that you know those guys aren't getting open. Matthew Stafford with that offensive line is getting roughed up. And uh, if I'm Todd Bowles, I, I know th that you weren't supposed to blitz, blitz Matt Stafford last year, and they did in the last play, and it was costly. But Matt, this year, 
I'm just going for broke, and I'm just going to take my chances and blitz the hell out of Matt Stafford and try to get him off off uh, track and uh, and uh, and and take my chances. Hey, that's uh, that's one way to get Devin White going because you know he does like to to go after the quarterback. Ronnie here asking uh, what the point spread is for that game. Uh, that's actually perfect timing. I will tell you guys about the point spread and where you can find that, which of course you can find the point spread on mybookie.ag for all of your gambling prowess on and needs. You know, you we know that you guys know sports and you pick winners all the time. So why not get paid for them at mybookie? Uh, my bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests for all your sports betting needs anytime and anywhere. Bet on the NFL, the NCAA, or swing for the fences with the brand new money bag. The my bookie money bag is a one of a kind opportunity to spin for crazy odds on props and futures. Just place your bet, spin the wheel, and get ready to score epic odds on the best teams, athletes, and events. Maybe you want to bet the over and passing yards for Tom Brady, or maybe the Bucks ground game gets going. You think Rashad White might have a good game. Maybe they'll implement him as the starter. Uh, place your bet, spin the wheel, get ready to score epic odds on the best teams, athletes, and events. Sign up free today using the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and claim a deposit match of any amount to $1,000. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that's a pretty good deal. Uh, again, that's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to claim your deposit bonus to give yourself that competitive edge. It's not just a sports book. It's a community. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. That's MyBookie.ag. And the last I checked, believe it or not, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a three-point favorite against the Los Angeles Rams. I remember they were a two and a half point favorite against the Ravens, and uh, that clearly did not work out well for them. But again, home team usually uh, betting odds tend to go in favor of the home team if it's quote unquote uh, an even matchup or a 50 50 matchup. But you know we could talk about this on on the the game day show and the tailgate show, but a three point advantage for the Bucks being the three point favorite. I don't know. I just That's I a don't. Bit of a I don't see. I don't see that at all. Yeah. I would look at it more as a pick'em. But yeah, I, I, I just I just put now. twenty bucks down on on, on the Rams. <laughs> I just did. Hey, you put down fifty large against the Bucks against Ravens, the Ravens. And yeah, that. and I won. Yeah. Listen, either this team's going to win, and I'm going to be happy for all the Buccaneer fans out there, or I'm going to make some money off of them, one or the other. So yeah. Hope I lose. That'd be great. I'd, I'd <laughs> lose the twenty bucks that I won when the Ravens beat the Bucks. See, I'm going to do this. Bucks fans, I'm going to try to use a little reverse psychology. I'm going to bet on the opponent and see if the Buccaneers can actually win. I, ho- I hope they do. Listen, it's going to be a miserable, miserable locker room if the the Buccaneers don't pull this off against the Rams. Uh, Levante David, we we did find out today. He did have a players only meeting after the the loss he's he stood up and spoke and kind of rallied the troops and and he's he's been the one kind of behind the scenes having a couple of player only meetings getting back to the fundamentals the attention to details the sticking together right and so i think levante showing some good leadership behind the scenes we'll, we'll see at the end of the day todd bowles was right when he said the time for talk is over we we, we gotta yeah. walk and we gotta we gotta it's about action not about words so 
uh, we'll see if this team can win. Um, I still have a hard time trusting this team when, when they got thumped by the Panthers 21 to three. And of course they lost it at Pittsburgh too. You lose back-to-back games on the road against one win teams and then, you know, lose a lead to the Ravens at home. I just have a hard time trusting this team right now. I don't think I'll trust them again until they play the Panthers. Like seriously, yeah. in all of their upcoming matchups, there's not one game where I'm like, ah, oh, the Bucks will really have a, like a big advantage. And yeah, I think it's really just honestly that Panthers game where I, I, I think I think that they can, uh, you know, potentially be a favorite. I mean, they're the favorite in this game, but you know, yeah. be a favorite. King Cook, that's a good point. Uh, when when we're having player-only meetings, things are not good. That's true, but at the same time, sometimes those are needed. Sometimes yeah, the, the, the players have to hold each other accountable, right? And it's the coach's job to ultimately do that. That's why they get paid, and that's, why, that's what the role of a coach is. But the players, it has to be both. You have to have the coaches and the players holding this team accountable. And so Levante is the guy to do that, to be honest, because I I don't know how you can look at Devin White's film and, and and then follow him as a leader when he keeps screwing up. And Vita Vea, I, I, again, I like Vita Vea a lot. I don't think Vita Vea has been as consistent this year. Uh, he's had some flashes. He's actually had more sacks this year. And yeah. he's, he already has a career-high sacks with, what, four and a half? I think he leads mm-hmm. the team in sacks. But it's just not as consistent against the run, even as in years past. And he's just not a vocal leader. I mean, he gets the the C on the chest because he's one of the better players. It's yeah, it's a lot of yeah. leaders by example. With yeah. you know Brady being one of the fiery leaders, I guess you want to say. Yeah. But he's in such another stratosphere when it comes yeah. to like being a leader. And then uh, you mentioned Devin being fiery, but only when like when fiery being fiery like benefits him. You know, yeah. Versus, yeah, that, you know, helping helping everyone. Yeah, well, one thing that can help you, it's helped me, if you are, uh, you know, I, I don't even say 40s or 50s, because what age rejuvenation is finding out is that people are in their 30s. Men in their 30s are actually seeing uh, decreases in testosterone. It's part of the food that we're eating. It's part of the diet that, that we're all, uh, you know, all, all the kind of the junk food and the processed food that we're consuming. It's just doing something to our bodies, and it's taking away testosterone. What that does when you don't have enough testosterone, not only can it interfere with your sex life, it can also just give you that mental fog and and really wear you down and make you tired, and that's certainly what happened to me. I just got super tired. You know what? I, I'm 50. I turned 50 this year. I went to the folks at Age Rejuvenation, and it's worked wonders for me. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. All right. I don't feel like I'm 18 again, but to be honest, I feel like I'm 40 again. And 40 beats 50, guys. It just does. If you can take a decade uh, off of, of your, your mental and physical uh, you know, uh, stature where you're at right now, if you're 40 and you want to go back to 30, if you're 60, would you like to feel like you're 50 again? It's really what can happen. I mean, you, John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer, tight end. Uh, he's one of our co-hosts on the Peter Report, the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation. 
he says, I feel like I could play another 10 years in the NFL. And that's what testosterone therapy can do for you. If you want to feel better, go to Age Rejuvenation, lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation as the sponsor of my SRS Fab 5 column. And of course, they're the presenting sponsor of the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show. I didn't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 and my energy was a problem. And it wasn't just this year. It was honestly years ago, like 45. So when I started to just slow down physically, turns out I had low testosterone, like most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond. It's just nature, fellas. It happens. Now, low testosterone can affect everything from weight loss to energy to stamina. But now there's a way to fight it. It's what I did with, with the testosterone therapy. I've got more energy as a result. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Age Rejuvenation has five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight. Feel great with Age Rejuvenation. And Matt, I just went back for my follow-up appointment. I'm about halfway through my testosterone therapy pellet session. They, they do every six months, so I'm about three months into it. And I've already lost three pounds. That's not just weight. That's actual fat. I've lost three pounds of right. fat, and I've turned that into lean muscle. And I really haven't even been going to the gym, to be honest. My schedule is so crazy. <laughs> I don't work out like I should. This is just the effect of the testosterone therapy. It's It works even without that. I'm going to try to get to the gym and work out more, and we'll see what even happens that I'm supposed to get even better results. So I'm very happy with age rejuvenation. Give them a call Good. or visit them on, online at agerejuvenation.com. I'm very glad it's working. And, of course, uh, they're also one of the sponsors of the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show uh, presented by Age Rejuvenation and live at the Walk-Ons. We'll be live at the Walk-Ons in Midtown for this Sunday's game. The game is at 425, so the tailgate show begins at 230 uh, with Scott and Bailey, JC, John Gilmore. It's always a great crew there. Uh, and then the Peter Game Day show with myself and a guest will be going on right at kickoff. And, you know, we have a great time. Even if the Bucks don't play well, we make it a lot of fun, and we appreciate everyone that that joins that. So uh, make sure you check it out, the Peter Report tailgate show at 2.30 and the live uh, in-game show, uh, game day show at 4.25. Also, just want to remind everyone, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Peter Report TV. Uh, follow us on all of our social medias on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all just at Peter Report. And yeah, just hit like, do us a favor, subscribe, watch all the great videos and the content that we have um, at pewterreport.com. And stay tuned because we have another episode tomorrow. JC Allen is actually going to be the host. He has two guests. And I'm telling you, make sure you're there for the whole show. But specifically, one of the guests on the show is. Very beloved by the pewter people, and we know you'll be excited to see them. Trevor Sycamore. <laughs> Trevor Sycamore. So stay, so stay tuned for that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you to everyone watching today. We really appreciate it. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Beat the Rams, please. <laughs>